welcome to the Military Spouse Perspective. We are going to spend time during these sessions chatting with military spouses who are doing great things in our military space, change makers, people that truly care about our military spouse community. So grab a seat, grab a cup of coffee, and let's chat. So welcome, Military Spouse Perspective listeners. We have a very special guest on today, my friend, Miss Perry Parkman. She is a retired military spouse. Her husband was a Green Beret, Sergeant Major, 21 years. Mr. Bruce Parkman, awesome man. If you ever get a chance to meet him, you won't forget him. Perry's the same way, just good people. I'm going to open up. I want her to tell her story about her son, Mac. This is going to be a very emotional show. I want everybody to be prepared. I have to tell you that it may be a trigger, so I'm going to give you a trigger warning. We will be discussing suicide and mental health awareness, just to give you a heads up. Perry and her husband, Bruce, founded the Mac Partman Foundation in honor of their son. I'm not going to keep talking anymore. I'm going to let Perry take over and tell you guys all about the foundation, how it came about, and some of the wonderful researches and awareness that they're in the process of doing in regards to mental health and brain trauma. First, I just want to say thank you for for allowing us to tell our story on your platform and for just giving this voice to a subject that is difficult to speak about and one that I wish I had heard a couple of years ago. My name is Perry and my son, Mac, Parkman. He took his own life last September 24th, 2020. So it has been a little over a year. He is 17 years old and a senior in high school, well-loved football player, captain of wrestling team. He was getting ready to take his ASVAB to go into the military the following week, was getting ready to take his test. He never once exhibited mental health crisis or exhibited any behaviors of mental health problems. We used to always call him steady Mac because he was polite. He was kind and he was steady. He didn't have a temper problem, which is in a 17-year-old male adolescent, he just didn't have. He was just steady Mac. And I used to tell my friends, he's just so good. He's just so good. Mm -hmm. I had two daughters prior to having Mac and they're much older and they weren't that good as adolescents. So I had something to compare that to, but he was just so good Mm -hmm. and grateful and such a, a thankful boy for everything. And what I'm getting at is that we had no idea. Mm-hmm. what was to behold us that September day. So he disappeared. We didn't know where he was. We searched for him. He had left a Snapchat video just saying that he couldn't do this anymore. He was depressed, unbeknownst to anybody that we knew and us, his friends, his family. My daughter, who's a psychiatric nurse practitioner, had no idea. And we're a very tight-knit family. I mean, we spend a lot of time together and that he couldn't do it anymore. And then by the time you see this, I'll be gone. That's what the video said. Oh my goodness. So my girls, very smart, both put out on social media, please come help us find our brother. Mm-hmm. And the whole entire 
Colorado Springs and the surrounding area came out and searched in this area based on a Snapchat where the person is in that area. Mm -hmm. And based on his Find My Friends uh, app on the phone, we had an idea of where the phone was, although it came to be that is not where the phone was. But we found him the next. So he had been exposed for over 24 hours. Mm -hmm. The coroner asked if Mac had ever had any concussions. He had gone to a concussion workshop. And when he had done the work on Mac, discovered something, obviously, and and so asked the question, posed the question to us. And and we said, yes, he he had, but he had three known concussions, uh, two in wrestling, one in football. And but he had been cleared. They weren't they weren't lights out, terrible concussions that he had to go in the hospital for. Everything that we took him to the doctor, we did all the protocol. He got cleared before he went back into practices and back into the games, back into wrestling again by the doctor, by the coaches, by the the PT. So just a typical concussion, if there is such a thing. Just to- right. what you think. We did everything that we were told to do. Mm-hmm. He went back into play, but the, the coroner asked this question and we answered yes. And, and he said, I can't do the investigation here, but at Boston university, they can, and you can make some calls and see if he can be accepted to this study. And so time was passing at this time, at this moment. And so consequently, we never actually cremated Max form and instead contacted Boston University and they accepted Mac as a donate his brain and his spinal cord because the coroner had ex- some experience preserved it in such a way that was exactly necessary for them they had Mac's spinal and brain for a year and studied it for a year this process takes a very long time because the coroner su- suspected CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, the NFL disease, what people think of as the NFL disease, what football players have and boxers and more and more people that are committing crimes are saying, this is what I have, or this is what I suspect caused by concussions. So they, they actually studied Max brain and they, as we don't believe that he suffered enough concussive, like serious concussions to mm-hmm. cause him to die. Like he didn't die from concussions, mm-hmm. but the subconcussive traumas, the little concussive hits that he sustained over a long period of time over his career as a young athlete mm-hmm. added up to be enough to cause brain damage, to cause problems with his brain. And just a little bit of kind of basic science, so to speak, just to get people to understand what a a concussion and what this subconcussive trauma does in the brain, how that works. We hear of concussion. We think we know what a concussion is, but I thought I knew what a concussion was and what to do or what, you know, what not to do. But what is actually happening and concussion actually comes, it's from the term that translated, translated from Latin is from acceleration, deceleration, when something is going very quickly and stops very quickly, Mm -hmm. right? As in when a lineman, he played, he was a lineman in a football 
and coming from that three point stance and getting up very quickly and hitting heads and you know stopping very quickly. So he had that constant start, stop, start, stop. And the brain being a gelatinous organ is encased in a hard skull. It's the brain, we think layman's terms, think of it as, oh, it's a brain, it's gelatinous, it's all the same thing. There's dense fibers in the brain and there's less dense fibers in the brain. And so when you have that acceleration and that deceleration, that stopping, the stopping, those dense structures of the brain are going to go very quickly and the less dense structures go very slowly. Mm-hmm. It'd be like me dropping a, a boulder and dropping a feather at the same time, which one is going to land on the ground faster, the boulder. So we have one part of the brain going very quickly and one part not going very quickly. And so you have that, that kind of uh, shifting of the brain. And what happens is the less dense tissue is actually the neurons. And so when you have that hard tissue going very quickly, it's shearing the neurons in the brain. And so what they've discovered is that when a child gets hit in the head, most of the time it's the prefrontal cortex, but sometimes it's a temporal lobe. They get hit by the side um, or the front. Those two regions affect the amygdala and the hippocampus. Anybody see Waterboy? Yes. Amygdala, that race. That's what I always think of when I hear amygdala. But so it affects emotions. It affects decision-making. It affects memory. And the, the big thing that it really affects is impulsivity. Unfortunately, our children, when they are young, their prefrontal cortex isn't even developed until fully developed until they're 25. Oh, wow. And, and beginning to be developed at 14. So we're sending our kids off into, into sports and they're getting this constant hitting of a region of their brain that is just in the developmental stages. Mm-hmm. It's just barely developing. And yet we're sharing these neurons over and over again. And once those neurons are shared, that's damage. There's no that's getting that back. Damage. Yeah. That's actual brain damage. And so we're encouraging those things to end up happening. So it was the subconcussive traumas that Max sustained over his period of time being a football player and his other subconcussive lifestyle uh, choices that we encouraged as parents. Oh, of course. We, we all do. Parents, right? We because all do. Absolutely. He, when he was six, he wanted to learn how to play ice hockey. He also was on the wrestling team as a little six-year-old. They had a first grade wrestling team. And so from first grade all the way up until his passing, he was in wrestling and he was a, a hockey player. He was soccer. He began playing football in seventh grade and, and it's all tackle, tackle. And he was the lineman, like I said, and, and we chose for him to be a lineman, we talked to him about which position he wanted to play. And he wasn't really a runner and he had never even passed a football before in his life. He just wanted to be a football player because his friends, cool thing to do. And he says, I, I want to be a lineman. And we're like, great. You're a big kid. That's perfect for you. You don't have to run. 
You're probably not going to end up with any knee injuries, no long, nothing like that. Perfect. Little did we know that position of football sustains the most amount of brain trauma out of any position in football, just finding this stuff out. I want our audience to really understand and really grasp the fact that it was not the big per se concussions that caused Mac to make that decision. It was not the lay you out, put you in the hospital concussion, the blackout concussion. It was the little consistent hits from practice, Mm -hmm. from whatever, with wrestling, with football, with hockey, the hits that you never think about, the ones that never need the ice on the head, the ones that never need the Tylenol or the medical attention. That is what caused this situation. Well, see, here's the thing. Years ago, when kids were playing football, They were playing football for three months out of the year. And then they went off and they played baseball. They played basketball. They ran track. They swam. They did something else. And football didn't start until school started. Practice started when school started. Then they played and then it was done. And then it was on something else. Now we have these kids, my kid included, who was playing. He never played for any other thing but his school for football. But football season started July 5th. That's Mm -hmm. when practices started. So from July 5th till the end of November, they usually made playoffs. So till the end of November, he was out there five days a week and games. And as soon as football was over, the very next Monday was wrestling. And so from wrestling, that would get done in February, March, when states were done. Oh, and that's also snowboarding season. Let me throw that one in there too. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't end in Colorado till end of April, sometimes May. So it was a year round. So he was year round as many kids kids are are back to back of May, June to recuperate. So that in itself That's part of the problem because just like any injury, when you have an injured knee and you have swelling around that knee, you put it up, you let it rest, you let the swelling go down. Mm -hmm. If you have an injured brain and you have swelling in the brain, and then you put yourself back out there the very next day, you hit it again, that swelling doesn't have a chance to go anywhere. And so it's that constant state of, of being swollen in that constant state of not letting any rest happen for 10 months out of the year. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the difference of years ago and now. And the thing is, we may not see in our children what's happening at 14, 15. A lot of this stuff was sub- Concussive trauma research is showing us is developing years down the road. So 17, 18, 19, 25, 30, difficulty concentrating, holding a job, um, chronic headaches, the impulsivity that you spoke about. Mm -hmm. Impulsivity is a huge one. And many of these kids are self-medicating with drugs and alcohol because Mm -hmm. they just think they're crazy. They just think they just want to quiet their mind. They just want to make things stop. 
They just wonder why they're not like anybody else. And it's not that they're crazy. It's not that there's anything wrong with them. It's just that we need to find out what the problem is that we can properly help them. The one thing that I wished I would have known was that Mac did complain of backaches, which is one of the signs of subconcussive trauma. Did not know that. I thought, oh, you were working out really hard. You pulled a muscle or something. Plus you've been, you've been doing, hitting those weights. Plus you've been down there squatting for two hours today, doing that lineman thing. Plus this and this. Oh, you have a headache. You probably didn't have enough water. We mm-hmm. live in Colorado. The altitude probably got to you. Oh, are your allergies upsetting you? Oh my gosh. You probably had way too much screen time. Were you up too, too late on that video game? Anything but what it anything but what it was, but who would have thought? How that? would I have known? Who would have That's thought of that? I did not know. I did. So my message is: When is a headache not just a headache? When is a backache and a neck ache not just a neck ache or a backache? When is it more? Mm-hmm. When is it? And and the whole thing with the. They didn't just study Mac's brain. They studied his spinal column for a reason, that cerebral spinal fluid that runs from your brain all the way down your spine. So if there's something going on up here, it's going on down the spine as well, because Mm -hmm. that same fluid runs down your spine and back up Mm -hmm. the back aches and the neck ache. See, it makes so much sense. Like Mm -hmm. the other day when you and I talked, things just really clicked. And I, I thought to myself, why wouldn't it be attached to mental health? Why wouldn't consistent hits on the head right. be attached? To we worry if, uh, for instance, my seven-year-old fell off the bed the other night, hit her head. I instantly started worrying and it was a little hit, probably what maybe something your son maybe would have sustained in practice or maybe not even that that severe, right. but I started worrying about it. And why we don't think about those little hits in sports is beyond me. But I really, because I had talked to you that day and she fell off the bed, I thought, oh my goodness, this makes, it, yeah. it just clicked for me. Right. If we think about it when a baby falls off the bed or a kid falls off the bed or hits right. their head on the wall. Exactly. So my daughter, who I mentioned is a psychiatric nurse practitioner, had the honor of speaking at a a conference of psychiatric nurse practitioners for the state of Colorado. And she came up with all this different evidence-based information. And one of the things that she uncovered was this helmet device that they actually put on kids' helmets to measure the amount of hits and the severity of hits that they actually sustain in a week. Oh my goodness. You want to know how many hits they sustained in a week? I can't even, I can't fathom. 300 hits in their head. Oh my goodness. A week. Now you worried about your daughter with one hit. Absolutely. Right. I would worry if I saw my son hit on the floor. Mm -hmm. I never even put it in my mind that he was getting hit in the head 300 times in one week. I would invite your audience, if they have boys who or girls who play football, and look at your child's helmet and see how many little nicks and dings are on the outside of that helmet. Because each one of those little nicks and dings is a subconcussive trauma. 
And I think those helmets maybe give us a false sense of security. And they do. They make us think. We we did some major fundraising and we got the NFL helmets years ago for my son's team. Every single kid, instead of them having to come up with their own rinky-dink helmet or the school coming up with something, private school, a Christian school, we didn't have funding. So it was, you know, what the parents could come up with. And so we did some major fundraising and got some really good NFL helmets. And boy, did that ever give us a false sense of security. And and I think it does it for all of us. For all of us parents, we think, okay, if they're in football, their head's covered. Soccer. You don't, I would never think that my child would encounter anything like that in soccer because they're just kicking a ball. They might get, yes, they might get hit in the head with the ball. But to me, thinking about, okay, a ball, it's a soft thing, hit you in the head, laugh it off. I would not have taken that seriously. Obviously, I'd be looking for knots or bumps or whatever, but I would never think. Mm-hmm. that it would cause that sort of mental health issue down the line. You look for immediate, you look for, okay, do you have a concussion? Sure. Let's look at your eyes. Let's check your head. Let's do this. But you sure. don't think about long-term effects. And that in, invites the other question. The other problem is we did all the protocol. The problem is the protocol is lacking. Mm-hmm. We encourage the schools and we're looking to make changes in the assessment of kids prior to playing sports in the fall, even before they even start practicing, do an assessment of of the child before they even start practicing a basic assessment, mental health assessment. Mm -hmm. And then if they get a hit specifically, then do an assessment And then again, in two weeks, in four weeks, in a month, six weeks. But then even if they haven't received a hit mid-season, do another assessment. And then definitely at the end of the season, do another assessment and see what's going on. That sounds like an amazing idea. And find out. Oh, absolutely. And then you and I talked the other day, we were speaking about especially military kids, they move from school to school. And that history of concussive trauma doesn't carry over. Nobody asks. Nobody asks the question. How many concussions have you had? What was your, your past history, your health history, that kind of thing? They'll do the general sports physical, but it doesn't touch on mental health and your past sports no. history. No. And it doesn't ask the questions of do you have chronic headaches or how many headaches do you have a week? Something Mm -hmm. basic like that. Did you get dizzy or did you get nauseous after you had your hit or at any time during your game? Because if you're nauseous, that's a sign of a concussion. Mm -hmm. And lots of people don't know on the ground. But the other thing that I would really like to talk about is the way our sports are practiced because we can eliminate so many of these hits just by practice. If we change the way that our kids practice into a no touch practice, instead of hitting for two hours a day, five days a week or four days a week, why do they have to keep hitting heads? The NFL right now, the NFL has one 15 minute practice of contact in one week, one 15 minute contact practice a week. 
And how many do our kids have a week? How many, it just in general, you know, how many, then they go from one sport to another. Like you said, right. during the week, right. they might play soccer. They might play football. They, That's a lot right. of kids do multiple sports at and, one time. And they play multiple, they might play for uh, different city teams or, mm-hmm. or organization teams, but city school, private teams, mm-hmm. churches, some everywhere. churches, they play year round. Mm-hmm. They absolutely yeah. do. And then if they move, the, that history is not going to go over. And that's exactly what you do when you're, when you move, you want your child to get integrated into the community very quickly and make friends. So you put them into sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps us. It helps us as military spouses make friends, too. I know I looked forward to sports season when mine were little because I still have little ones. But the girls, the girls aren't as active in sports as my son was. But I know when he was little, I looked forward to that time because that gets me out of the house. It lets me meet people, too, never thinking of what am I doing to my kid? No, but it was even the culture, right? It was the for me. The culture of once you get there and it's, oh, we're going to do this meal and we're going to do this fundraising and you're just out there and you're enjoying the the weather and you're Mm -hmm. cheering for your kid. And it's almost an addictive type of thing. You're cheering the kids on someone gets hurt on the field and it's, oh, and then they get up and you, you know, applaud. And and it's fine. You're great. Mm -hmm. And suddenly they come back out on the field and oh, look, they're back. They didn't hurt themselves that bad. We don't even think twice about it. We really don't. We, and, and. Yeah, I'm so thankful I met you because I, I can't tell you how many people that I have spoken to about your organization and I've spoken about Max Story. Of course, I can't tell it as good as you can, but I can give oh. them the overview. And we um, didn't even know until so many things until later. And when we started ta- talking to Max's friends and his friends were saying, yeah, Mac always said he had headaches after the games and he thought maybe it was because of his concussions. Mm. And we didn't invite that question or that, do you think Mac had concussions? It was not. It was, did you ever notice Mac complaining of not feeling good after games? Or do you ever think Mac suffered from playing football? Or do you ever think Mac didn't want to play football? And they're like, no, he loved playing football. He just was always complaining about headaches. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I thought he just complained to me. Mm -hmm. I thought, and it wasn't like he complained all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I I might notice him rub his head or something. And I'm like, yeah, I have a headache. Oh my gosh. And then there, the litany of things would. The dehydration or I do that too. Stayed up too late last night because. Mm -hmm. I always tell my girls, drink more water. You need to drink more more water. water. You're dehydrated. Drink more water or screen time. You've been looking at the screen too much. You need to take a break from the iPad or from the tablet or, you know, the phone or whatever it may be. But, and thank heavens for the corner that thought to ask you that question, or this would never, it would have never been told. Exactly. This would have never happened. I have talked to so many people, Becca, that this has changed their life. Mm Mm-hmm. I can imagine. I could see that. This has changed their life. And I don't know how many lives it saved. I don't know that, but I know what it's changed lives. And if he hadn't have said that, we would have just still been walking around shell-shocked in that same state we were last year. Now we have a mission. My husband says, this is a mission from God. We got to get the word out. We got to see what we can do to save people because 
it's information we didn't know. And, and we try to educate our kids. We tell them, don't play with guns, wear your seatbelt, don't drink and drive. All these known things, we teach them to be safe. Absolutely. But if we don't know. You can't attack what you don't know. You can't. And that's one of the reasons that your mission is so important because people don't know what they don't know. And I'm very passionate about military families, military spouses, and especially thinking about how much they move and they start over. And that history doesn't carry over sports wise. And And that's what worries me so much because my son had the privilege of being in the exact same school his whole life. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen. No, it really doesn't. And I grew up in El Paso, Texas at Fort Bliss and and many of my friends, my mom was not military, but many of my friends were. And so they were in and out and in and out. And I just thought of of that when I was speaking of you, like what in the world do military families do? They put their kids in sports and Mm -hmm. that's what we do. Not know because our coaches didn't even know our middle school coach didn't know. Our wrestling coach didn't know. The the football coach didn't know. None of the coaches spoke to each other. And this is education that should be out there. This is information. Every mama needs to hear this. Every dad needs to hear this. Before they're 14 years old, let them learn the game without getting injured. Mm -hmm. Let them learn the techniques the skill, the excitement of the game. It's all still there. Absolutely. You don't have to get hurt. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree with you. And speaking with you has definitely changed the way this mama bear thinks about things. And it's like I told you the other day, you get you some mama bears together and get them on top of something and things are going to change. You're going to get some, you're going to get the word out there. And I want you to talk a little bit about the foundation, the the Mac Parkman Foundation and how people can support you guys and how to help get the word out there and make changes in these practices and these sports protocols. Okay. So Mac Parkman Foundation on Facebook, but it stands for Mac Parkman Foundation for Adolescent Concussive Trauma. And, uh, and that's dot com. And like us on that, spread the word, tell as many people as you can, talk to your educators in school, talk to parents, talk to coaches, and anybody that you can possibly think of that can make change. We're talking to people who are in our son's school, trying to get that program changed, that middle school program changed in flag football. That principal has also turned us on to to talking to the other private Christian school, high school Christian school in Colorado Springs to get their program changed. And the more we can do that, the more there will be a league for these kids to play in for flag football. Why not? Mac Parkman Foundation is sponsoring a a flag football uh, league here on Anna Maria Island, uh, where we live now. It's coming up. It's starting to come up all over. Brett Favre, came out with that announcement just recently about don't let your kid play football, (laughs) put them in flag football until they're 14 years old. It's the science is there. The science is there and it would be irresponsible and it would be not only irresponsible, but on the border of child abuse, if you let your kid play 
Mm-hmm. If I knew what I knew now and that I was putting my son in harm's way on purpose, no. Of course not. And I don't think any of us, I know, like I said, I know myself, I never thought twice. I'm, I was that parent. Oh, oh, he's great. He's good to go. Oh, he's down, but he's back up. He's bouncing around. He's fine. Let's, yeah. he wants to play. Let's put him back. Well, of course yeah. he wants to play, but should he necessarily play? Eh, maybe not. And that pressure comes from the coaching staff, not on purpose, just to encourage. It's just the it way things are done. Kids. Exactly. You know, how are you feeling? You're going to be there this weekend? Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Good. Max playing again. Because that's well, what we do. We encourage each other. We absolutely do. And especially those little kids, there's nothing cuter than a bunch of little kids on the field rooting their, their teammate on. And little do they know. And the parents, like I told you, my heart just goes out to military family members that they don't know this information. It goes out to everyone. Again, my heart's with the military. It, it, yeah. it just, it probably always will be. But yeah. so we are know. just in this grassroots uh, little organization, just a, a family organization right now, just trying to get the word out. We are open to suggestions. We would love to connect with anybody who has uh, any suggestions for us. And we just, we really appreciate the platform. We appreciate the opportunity to maybe affect one person. The Concussion Legacy Foundation is a great resource. They have helped us since day one. And that's who Boston University works with. The Patrick Rishka Foundation, they're amazing and has helped us. And BU still has Max Brain. As a matter of fact, they will continue to study him. They will continue to do research. And people are looking at, people far smarter than I am, are looking at uh, different ways to diagnose this in a living person. Unfortunately, right now, you can't diagnose this in a live person. Oh, my goodness. So it's only diagnosable in, in a cadaver. So we need to do the preventative maintenance. We need to really look the key. and be proactive instead of reactive. Yep. yep. There's no way to stop it once it's started because it's brain damage. It is mental illness. Once it's done, you can't reverse it, but we can prevent it. If you suspect that you have some of this, the issues, if you had or know anybody who had many brain traumas, or even those subconcussive traumas throughout the years, exhibiting memory loss, accelerated aging, headaches, backaches, inability to concentrate, any of those things I mentioned, emotional issues, impulsivity, consider donating your brain to uh, Boston University, to the Concussive Legacy Foundation upon expiration, because with more donations, they can do more study. And with more study, then possibly we can find the link to what we can do to prevent in an, in a situation that it's already began. Instead of waiting until after. If we can't prevent it at all, maybe we can stop it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I'm, I'm so glad we connected and I'm able to help get your story out there to get Mac's story out there to help support the foundation And being a mama bear myself, I would love to stand on the mountains and just shout this to the world and really get the information out there because it's very necessary that people hear this so that they can make an informed decision on 
do I put my kids in these sports? Do I wait until they're a little bit older? Do I need to find a flag football league? Let them make an informed decision instead of go into it blindly without knowing what the outcome could possibly be. Just because it's something we've always done doesn't mean it's something we should always continue to do. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I'm thankful that you guys have this foundation, that you are getting the word out there. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story. I know it's got to be hard to share. I can't imagine. And I, for one, admire you and your husband. Give me all this strength right now. That's all all I can say. Go on the the Facebook page, get yourself a t-shirt. We have lots of different t-shirts to have. And, and we'll throw you, throw you in a band or something. We all wear Mac Parkman, Kids Brains Matter. Bands. Absolutely. And the next time you have a Big Mac at McDonald's, <laughs> Think about give, a, give a shout out to Mac because he's making a difference. And I'm sure he's he knows he's up there and he knows he's making a difference. And he definitely knows, man. He's sending out these messages all the time with us. And we get, we hear them. People send us messages all the time telling us different things that they believe Mac is, is telling them. So well, that's amazing. And I look forward to following you guys and watching the success of this foundation and watching it grow. And I have every faith that you guys are going to make some changes and help change these protocols and change some of the ways that that our kids play sports. Thank you. We're just excited to be able to honor our son in any small way. And again, help save some kids. Yes, ma'am. Again, thank you so much for being willing to come on the show and share your story. And well, hopefully we'll get some supporters and our listeners will definitely pay attention and take heed to what you've said today. And, and hopefully we'll get some mama bears that come out of this and that really join hands and make a difference. Thank you, Becca. We appreciate you. You are welcome, my beautiful friend. You stay in touch. And if there's anything I can do to help you, you just let me know. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye.